Well, once again, to Cave of the Cross Apologetics, I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And uh, we have uh, covered uh, the, the first part of Chapter 5, God is Not Silent, with uh, James Anderson. And uh, now we're going to uh, look at um, if God has revealed himself in other religions and why Christianity might be the, the only one. So right. we'll pick it up from, from the middle, kind of, of, uh, of Chapter 5. Those divinely inspired writings must be out there somewhere. In the, in the universe. <laughs> Immediately, however, we run up against a problem. Uh-oh. Well, all right, let's throw our Bibles away. No, okay. <laughs> there are literally hundreds of religions in the world, many of them claiming uh, to have their own divinely inspired scripture, right. since those these very various scriptures uh, make conflicting claims, right. like so, the Quran. So, yeah, so where has God spoken is right. the question. Right, right. yeah. <laughs> why, why do you have the only right answer? Well, two plus two equals four. It's okay to, to say that there are other numbers out in the world, but four can <laughs> be the right answer. Uh, so the Quran, for example, contradicts the Bible's teaching that Jesus was the Son of God. We have to discriminate between the two. Mm. And discriminate meaning... Make a choice between. That's the two. right. Determine which one is the correct <laughs> right. one. Yeah, right. yeah. So for for YouTube, we're not discriminating against people. <laughs> we're saying, hey, this is a a a, 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 a claim where two competing values are, are, are right? running yeah. into a, yeah. a wall, at least of, of each yeah. other, and so we have to figure out which one or both right. aren't, aren't or, true or neither. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. So which of these writings are the truly inspired ones? Right. And so he tells us that once we start to survey the field, he says it's it's really not not as uh, nearly as complex as we as we might first dis, uh, assume. He says the number of serious contenders turn out to be very small. Uh, any genuine divine revelation would have to fit a certain profile, mm-hmm. right? He says just like a work of Plato or Shakespeare or Charles Dickens or whatever would have uh, distinctive features reflecting its authorship. So any divine authored writings would also have certain recognizable qualities. Right. right? So that kind of gives us a hint now of, you know, the real verbal, well, and the real written uh, communication from God. Right. right. Yeah. So we saw in previous chapters that only a God who is transcendent, perfect and personal can account for the things that we take for granted in our lives. Mm -hmm. So a genuine divine revelation would have to present itself as a verbal communication from that God that immediately rules out the sacred scriptures of Mm. Eastern religions, such as Hinduism, uh, Jainism, uh, Sikhism, and Buddhism. Since those writings don't present themselves as a verbal revelation from a transcendent, perfect personal God. Right. So, okay, well, we took out the East from there. Right, so so what he's suggesting here is it gets relatively easy once you understand the, the, the type of person that God is, right? And if a revelation isn't consistent with the type of person that God has to be, you know, this personal, uh, you know, transcendent, perfect uh, God, then we can rule those types of uh, scriptures out. Not to say that there may or may not be some truth in some of those scriptures, right? right? Yeah. But we would have to rule them out as the, you know, specific revelation of the God that we've all, we that has to exist, right. which is what he's already shown in a previous chapter. Mm-hmm. Right? And which we've also covered in uh, things like uh, Nancy Pierce's Finding Truth or... Um um, yeah, I guess that would be one of the, the better ones to, yeah. to go to. Mitch Stokes deals with that somewhat. Somewhat, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, the the idea that um, a consistent worldview would have everything in the box, uh, the explanatory power, and we wouldn't leave anything out. Right. Well, a lot of those leave stuff out that we experience in the world, and so they, they um, kind of have an explanation of those things aren't real. Well, okay, you're 
running full force into the the wall and you believe <laughs> it's not real, you come to a surprising realization that you have to um, kind of make a, a defeater for. So the only major religions with scriptures that uh, present themselves as verbal communications from God are so-called Abrahamic religions, mm. Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. Only these religions affirm everything we've established so far. One, that God is transcendent, that he's above, he is absolute, you know, he's complete, he's a personal creator of the universe. Two, he has spoken to us. And three, God's word have been presented in sacred writings. However, these three religions, believe it or not, disagree on which writings are divinely no, inspired. No, really. So if you have a... Uh, so all words, all uh, revelations don't lead to God? I mean, it, it seems it seems like it would be very confusing if it did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one can come to the Father except through me, and also Islam and Judaism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, the question then he, this raises for us is how can we navigate our way through the, this debate between these various Abrahamic religions? Easy peasy. Right? That's right. <laughs> how should we decide between these competing claims about, you know, where God has spoken? Well, he says, once again, uh, it will be helpful to look at things from a worldview perspective. Shocking. <laughs> he says Christianity, Islam, and Judaism represents three different worldviews, right? So we can apply uh, to each one of these worldviews the, the tests that were discussed in chapter two. And specifically, he wants to uh, focus on the test of coherence, right? Which worldview best fits together internally? Mm-hmm. Right? That's what he wants as his primary criteria in terms of examining each of these three worldviews. Right. right. So, again, he's building on previous chapters. So, uh, obviously, um, go back to those if, if you need to. And um, I'll try to include at least some of the links that are, are helpful for you below or uh, in the cards above. Uh, so, let's compare Judaism and Christianity first. Well, this seems easy, right? It's mm-hmm. just, you know, the, the rest of the story. That's but right. To be continued. <laughs> and that's pretty much what he says. Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, Judaism accepts the Old Testament, re- but rejects the New Testament. Right. Makes sense. Right. They, they, they might like Jesus. Otherwise, G- they'd Jesus. be Christians. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. They, might, they might like Jesus. They might kind of like him as a moral teacher, uh, but uh, the Messiah, uh, they, they, they have an issue with that. So, the problem is that the Old Testament appears to be incomplete as it stands. It contains many promises and prophecies, the most striking of which concern a servant king, servant being kind of what we want to focus on for mm-hmm. our sake, king, who would uh, be sent by God to bring salvation to people from all nations of the world, uh, whom the Jews came to refer as the Messiah, right. now, literally uh, the, now, the anointed one. Good. Now, it should be noted here that when he makes these various claims, he also has... Um, you know, he has references, mm-hmm. you know, uh, footnotes in, in his book. So he's just not throwing these things out, but he's, he's given various references right. with regard to these. We don't include those in here, but, I, you know, I, folks need to understand that. Yeah, I mean, th- there's a reason why uh, if you're just talking to maybe a classical apologist or uh, maybe even an evidentialist uh, would point to things like fulfilled prophecy. Um, I know in... Um, Evidence that demands a verdict, or more evidence that demands verdict. Um, that that's a that's a um, a big kind of central factor in the middle of the book for for that one. So yet uh, we don't find these uh, messianic promises and prophecies fulfilled in the Old Testament itself. So the Old Testament raises the question: Where's the completion? Where's right. the fulfillment? Where's the other half of the bridge? Right. So it's it's an expecting. It's 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 always been that way. It's it's uh, from from Genesis three where. Uh, 
initially the first promise of of a savior comes. You know, uh, a child will come and uh, save his people, and you will strike at his heel, and he will bruise your head. So from there, and then throughout the the temple raising, there's a reason that uh, that the outer courts are are there to to bring people in. The the the, the Hebrews are established to bring about what would you know become the Judaism or um, um, Hebraic uh, understanding of, of, of God mm-hmm. calling in the nations uh, to a central location to say, here's the, the spot, the origin for um, a, a, a divinely uh, um, revealed um, God who will save even the, the, the barbarian out there. <laughs> the and pagan. The, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that, that group uh, falling away, having the, the remnant come, the, 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 the people who still believe and trust in God and that he preserves them over many centuries of, right. of this right. whole out, kicked out of the land for their sin, return the land, kicked out again for sin, return the land, try to build, build up the temple again. Second temple Judaism comes in with uh, still a, a looking towards this, this Messiah, the servant King, and then um, somewhere along the way, the temple gets destroyed and uh, the sacrifices aren't able to be performed. That point to uh, what people kind of understand to be uh, the ultimate fulfillment in the Messiah. Right. So, yeah. so we're kind of stuck right there at that, at that cross section. So, you know, uh, so where's the completion then is really the issue, right? And, and so what he says is, well, here's the answer. Christianity <laughs> offers a clear and compelling answer to this. Right, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, Nazareth is the fulfillment of all these promises and prophecies. The history of Israel, recorded in the books of the Old Testament, demonstrate that even those who receive special blessings from God uh, cannot save themselves from their own moral corruption. Right, right? surprise, surprise. Right, right? Um, they, 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 uh, they need God to send a perfect Savior to make a perfect atonement for their many acts of rebellion and idolatry. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason that the temple sacrifices occur, but also God reveals them that he doesn't care about the, the blood of bulls and goats. All right. It's got to be something bad. Yeah. Okay. Perfect, so, right? so why are we doing this? Right. It's pointing, pointing towards to something to, else. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so he says the life and death of Jesus of Nazareth, uh, recorded in the books of the New Testament, presents the resolution to the problem spelled out at length in the Old Testament. And I always have to say, G.K. Beale's uh, God With Us book is... Is such a good book that I I, I I probably have recommended it more times on more podcasts than I've been on, <laughs> but uh, but that's such a good book that I definitely recommend people yeah. to check out for for that that carry along that that theme throughout the 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 garden to the uh, tent to the temple to Jesus to the end times. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it's it's such a good such a good little book of mind blowingness. It was really good. So. There's my plug again for there you go. For it. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, um, you know, um, Jesus is the fulfillment of, of what was going on, right? And uh, he says, the life and death of Jesus of Nazareth, recorded in the books of the New Testament, present the resolution to the problem of incompleteness that we see uh, spelled out at length in the Old Testament. So the two halves of the Bible, then, as Christians see it, the Old and New Testament, fit together kind of hand in glove, right? There's prophecies about what's going to happen, and then there's fulfillment, right? There's a a problem here in terms of, you know, people are left hanging with regard to salvation. There's no more temple. What do you do? And then there's a solution, right? 
There are promises that God makes about what he's going to, you know, uh, accomplish and, and this Messiah that's coming. And then so promises made and promises kept. Right. Mm-hmm. And so these two halves then fit together hand in glove. Kind right. Of thing. Right. And, and so Jesus isn't obviously the only claim to Messiah there. There had been others uh, and, and others would come. Uh, in fact, I, I did a, a podcast where um, the, the anarchist Bible study where I went over the uh, trial uh, of, of Jesus and I uh, compared him to, um, to Barabbas and how uh, li- likely uh, Barabbas' name was uh, uh, Jesus Ben uh, yeah. Barabbas. Son of the Father. Yeah, yeah. yeah son of the Father. So <laughs> yeah. Jesus, or, uh, which is the, the, the Greek version for, for Joshua, the, the, the person that led the, you know, the, led the people from the wilderness to the promised land. Um, whether or not that's his given name uh, is Kind of, kind of up in the air there, but um, I'll include a link to, to that to, to kind of walk you through um, that comparison between both Barabbas and Jesus there. So that was good. I enjoyed that one. <laughs> uh, what I'm suggesting then, uh, uh, Anderson says, is that it, Christianity's answer to the question, where has God spoken, is more coherent than Judaism's answer, mm. simply because it is more complete. Mm. It's not that it's wrong. This, it's yeah. that it's continued. Yeah, right, right. And in so, other words, it's not that the uh, Jewish answer is wrong, right? But that it's uh, it's incomplete. Yeah, right? and he's so he's arguing that Christianity completes it, and therefore it's uh, we might say more coherent. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, I I think we could probably say that um, Judaism has changed over the years as far as. Um, recognizing the the passages of the Messiah, the messianic passages, and changing it, especially post Second Temple fall of Jerusalem, uh, there's there's kind of been a a, a change there where you know, the Old Testament is, is still important, the, the you know the Tanakh, and uh, it it doesn't seem like uh, the Messiah, at least in certain versions of Judaism. Uh, seems to be the focus. There, there's not uh, really a a look for the the, uh, the coming Messiah completely in the same fashion that right. that kind of we understand it. So it's almost as if the Christians have taken that away, and so they <laughs> dismiss it then, right, and say, "Okay, well, we yeah. can't talk about that yeah. anymore," right? <laughs> yeah, and so uh, um, I guess uh, a, a good book series. It's like five volumes. Uh, and of course, obviously, you don't agree with everybody on everything, so I'll hit that one uh, uh, th- for the single. But uh, Michael Brown's um, uh, answering uh, Jewish uh, objections to Christianity is really good. It comes from uh, a, a, a Messianic Jew who um, um, was Jewish uh, culturally, religiously at the time, and then um, 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 became a Christian and has answered in five volumes. So a a lot of stuff, certain Jewish objections. So um, that's the one I would kind of throw out there if if you're looking for more resources. So the Old Testament without the New Testament is like a jigsaw puzzle with half the pieces missing. There you go. So so it's incomplete and therefore incoherent, right? If you have half of the pieces in the jigsaw puzzle, it's really hard to determine unless you have the box, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> what the thing looks like, right? Yeah. It's 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 not you can't understand what it looks like, mm-hmm. right? That's what he's getting at here with this idea of incoherence, right? right? <laughs> so since modern Judaism denies that Jesus really was the promised Messiah, it's left with a gaping question, if not Jesus, then who? Right. Right. 
And so he says, uh, and so Christianity then completes it, and therefore it's more, more coherent. All right, so now what he wants to do is turn to the other Abra- Abra- Abrahamic uh, religion, right, Islam. And so he wants to compare Islam and Christianity. So how do these, uh, uh, you know, perspectives, claims about divine revelation uh, compare? Well, he says the Quran doesn't purport to be the only communication from God. Right. Right. So the, you know, this, the Bible seems to claim that this is the only communication from God. The Quran doesn't claim that. Right. It actually affirms parts of the Bible as earlier scriptures given through divinely appointed prophets such as Moses and Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. So it acknowledges that there are other prophets, there are other scriptures, divinely revealed scriptures. Right. That are given uh, through these various prophets, just like the Quran was given uh, through Muhammad is, right. is its claim. So the central message, he says, of the Quran can be summarized something like this. Repent of idolatry and immorality, acknowledge that there's only one true God, and submit absolutely to the will of God revealed through his prophet Muhammad, which uh, they claim is the last prophet. Right. right? So how are our sins being forgiven there? How, how are they? How is justice meted out? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, oh, oh. So that's its message. Yeah. All right. All right. So there are a number of reasons to doubt the God claims. God just forgives them, right? Yeah. He, he just yeah. seems to, to, to say good. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. We're good. Next. You, 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 you did the, the prayers. You attempted to go to Mecca. Good job. So uh, there are a number of, of reasons to doubt the claims of the Quran to be genuine divine revelation. For example, not only does the Quran reject the Christian doctrine of the Trinity, it also misrepresents that doctrine when it does. So this is an important point. Right? Very important. So, so Christians see, you know, uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit with regard to the Trinity, right? The Holy Spirit, we see speaking. He has, so he has language. He has uh, emotion, right? Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see that... Uh, this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased, the father says, at Jesus' baptism. Right? Mm-hmm. And so we see this Trinitarian idea coming through uh, the Bible in the, in the New Testament. And so the Quran rejects that doctrine of the Trinity, right? But the problem, he says, as you mentioned, is that it misrepresents it. Right. right. right? So here, here's the thing. It's that it misrepresents it. That's, that's the key. Not right. that it rejects it, misrepresents yes, it. So right. let's figure out why, that's, uh, why right. that's an issue. So it implies that Christians actually worship three separate gods. But here's, here it is. They worship Allah, Jesus and Mary, the mother of Jesus, rather than one God who exists in three distinct persons, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Right. So who are the Trinity according right. to, the, uh, to the Quran? Well, there's God, right? Allah, right? So in uh, Quran five seventy two seventy three and five one sixteen, and also four one seventy one, right? It essentially says, you know, um, uh, say not three. There's one, and then it attributes the the three. understanding of Christian Trinity as being Allah, Jesus, and his mother Mary, right? That's that's never been, yeah. Uh, so that historic understanding, yeah, of the that misrepresents yeah. what Christians believe as right. who the Trinity is, right? And yeah. this is six hundred years after the time of Christ, and so the Trinity has been acknowledged. It's been developed further as far as yeah. a, a better way to uh, to to acknowledge to kind of merit out the the the, the understanding of it. 
uh, it's been termed Trinity. Yeah. And so <laughs> what, what's, what's the deal? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's one God who exists in three distinct persons, the father, son, and the spirit. Shouldn't it say that? Right. Not God, Jesus, and Mary. Especially I mean, that's not if the Trinity. Allah is all knowing. He yeah. should, he should know this. Right. Right. So why is it not? Yeah. Why did it, why does it get it wrong? Yeah. So the problem here is not that the Quran disagrees with what Christians believe, but rather that God of the Quran should at least know what the Christians actually believe in the first place. So it's like saying, uh, um, Oh, you're, you're a fan of the Yankees. Well, uh, Good luck on those touchdowns. I think, I think that's right. Yeah. 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 Well, well, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah. Yankees play baseball. And yeah. You seem to be confused. Yeah. It's one thing for the Quran to say that what Christianity teaches is mistaken, obviously. Right. It's quite another for the Quran to be mistaken about what Christianity actually teaches. That yeah. seems to be an issue. Right. Right. So if it is a revelation from God, uh, you would expect that God would at least get that right. Right. And, uh, it's misrepresented. So that's a huge problem. Yeah. It's like, it's like uh, in the Old Testament, if, if God were to say, oh, uh, you know, these people uh, 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 give their children as sacrifices to Dagon. It's like, no, uh, we, we have a, a dog named Dagon that we like to, to, to <laughs> have of, uh, our children pet. Drastically different. Oh, yeah. Way drastically yeah. different. So he should at least know that, right? Right, right. You would think, right? So, so, and he says there are other examples of the Quran misrepresenting Christianity. Right. Uh, but what he wants to focus on here, again, is the question of coherence, right? How does things fit together internally? When it comes to the claims about divine revelation, does the Islamic worldview cohere as well as the Christian worldview, right? right? And, and And look here, too. This is... A, a presupposition argument that looks at a worldview. If uh, the understanding of uh, of Islam is correct, then uh, the the uh, the the character nature makeup of Allah should be ability to know the things that He knows, right. which is all things right. for them. Right. And know I'm correct. He he doesn't seem to know this. Yeah. yeah. So we, we have to. We have to figure out why that's the case. Right. So he says, uh, with regard to this worldview and incoherence and that sort of thing, that the basic problem for Islam is that the Quran affirms earlier scriptures while also contradicting those same scriptures, <laughs> right? So it affirms the Bible, right. but it also contradicts the Bible, right? The mm -hmm. Quran says, for instance, that the Torah was given by God to the Jews, yet it contradicts the Torah mm -hmm. in a number of places, right? It was on the altar that, that uh, uh, Abraham goes to sacrifice. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah. And so also it speaks about the gospel, right, the Angel, uh given to Christians through Jesus, but it flatly contradicts some of the central claims made by Jesus in the Gospels in the New Testament, right? Right. To be fair, Muslims have a ready answer to these objections. Oh, okay. They Good. Well, let's hear it. They contend that the earlier scriptures were changed by Jews and Christians. Okay. Well, maybe that's the explanation. Well, right? I mean, you have to, right? <laughs> yeah. What else can you say? I yeah. think, right? <laughs> that's why these conflicts exist. The earlier scriptures have been corrupted and therefore they can't be trusted. Leaving aside the question of why Jews and Christians would want to change scriptures, which they believe to be God-given, this common Muslim answer actually raises more problem than it's solved. 
Okay. Well, right. So this is this is the issues that as he sees them. Right? Yeah. In the first place, the Quran not only acknowledges the early scriptures, it encourages Jews and Christians to consult those scriptures to confirm Muhammad's own message. Yeah. Right. In your, you know, around six hundred years afterwards, it's saying, "Look to your scriptures." You'll see the truth. Right, right. So this implies, of course, that those scriptures weren't corrupt in Muhammad's day, right? If Muhammad says, you know, look to these scriptures to find truth, mm-hmm. then they, we would, it would imply that they're not corrupt, right? Because Muhammad endorses them, yeah. right? But the big problem, he says, is because we have physical manuscripts of the uh, Old and New Testaments, which have been re- re- regularly, reliably, rather, dated mm-hmm. to hundreds of years before Muhammad's truth, or birth, rather. So we have these scriptures that are uh, we know are the same that we have today that were uh, reliably dated before Muhammad was born. Which, ironically, too, you, it's hard, it's would it's very very hard and rare to find a Quran dated uh, 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 around that same time. Yeah, yeah. Of so the question really is what he's getting at is when was it changed? <laughs> right, yeah. Because right? it doesn't seem to be, been, have changed because we have what Muhammad saw when he was endorsing it, right? right? So these manuscripts prove that the Bible that we have today is the same as the Bible that Christians had when the Quran was written. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to reconcile, he tells us, the idea that the Bible has been corrupted with uh, what the Quran actually says and apparently takes for granted. Right. So this is an inconsistency. This is an internal inconsistency in the Quran, and therefore it shows a lack of coherence, which is the point that he's trying to get at. Mm-hmm. Right? But wait, there's more. <laughs> to compound the problem, the Quran insists in several places that God's word cannot be changed or corrupted. Oh, okay. So God's word then can't be changed right. or corrupted. Wow. So we're good. Yeah. Yeah, we the Bible we have has to be the Bible that was God's written because it can't be corrupted or changed. And Muhammad endorses the Bible that was uh, in existence uh, when the Quran was written. Right. right? Earlier scriptures such as the or Torah, given, the Torah, and the Injil, the Gospels, are supposed to have been delivered by God in the same way as the Quran, received through a prophet and then preserved in written form. And they can't be to be changed or corrupted, or corrupted because why would God allow His Word to be changed or corrupted? Right. right. Muslims will insist that the Quran has been changed since it was first received. Indeed, they'll say it couldn't be changed because, as the Quran says, God wouldn't allow it. Yeah. Okay, so what's the problem? Well, if God is so committed to preserving these uh, um, uh, later scriptures, the, the Quran, why didn't he preserve the earlier scriptures too? The Torah and the Gospels. Right, right. Or to put the point he tells us in reverse, if God allowed the earlier scriptures to be corrupted so badly that they now can't be trusted, what assurances do we have that the Quran hasn't been corrupted? Mm-hmm. Right? So that's a conundrum, we might say, right? A sticky wicket to hear for, for the claims of the Quran. Right. Right. And I've heard say that, uh, oh, Jesus is the prophet that provides the Injil, the gospel. It's, so it's, it's his message. But Muhammad, or, or the, the, the Quran, is saying, go to the book, the people of the book, and con- consult what Allah has revealed to you there. So it's a written thing, and so no Christian believes that Jesus wrote down anything. Right. It's his apostles that did, right. and those are the gospels. Right. And They've always been called the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. 
and they would have been called the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, written down in 600 years you know, right. after. During the, during the, the, time <laughs> the time that Muhammad, Muhammad right. yeah, yeah. So, so it's not this verbal communication by Jesus that's lost to the sands of time. Right. It's saying, go to the book. If it's a book, it was written down, and those then are the right. Gospels that we have, right? And so those are the ones that he must have been referring to. Right. Right? And so what's the argument then? Well, here's the argument in the nutshell. Christianity and Islam both teach that God has spoken to us through inspired scripture, and those scriptures were given through a series of prophets over a long period of time. Jack, both believe that. Christianity teaches that all scripture God provided, he has also preserved over those centuries. And those scriptures form a coherent whole, a story of redemption which centers on Jesus. Okay. In contrast, though, Islam has to maintain that all scriptures except the last has been irredeemably corrupted and lost. For some reason, God chose to preserve only the Quran, a book whose teaching deviated at major points from those of the Bible. And major points like, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one can come to the Father except through me, and also Muhammad. (laughs) (laughs) And what's more, we know that the Bible we have today is the very same Bible that Christians had in Muhammad's day. It, it, you know, uh, we, we, we have a number of copies and, and, and ability to go and, and look at even early, very early, but obviously most of our copies do come from uh, middle ages and ninth century. But, and, and, you know, even the early church fathers quoted the the Bible so vastly that we could probably put together at least the new Testament from based on the quotes, right. And which were hundreds of years before Mohammed, right. right? Including the book of revelation. And they would, they would be the same Bible that we have today. Right. 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 Yeah. So in some, when it comes to the claims about what God is like and how God has revealed himself over the course of human history, he tells us that the Christian worldview is more internally coherent and consistent with the evidence than the two other uh, major competitors, Judaism and Islam. And so he says, once we recognize that God could speak to us and we ask the question, where has God spoken? The most reasonable answer by far is that God has spoken in the Old and New Testaments of the Bible. Right. And so that's when we pull out. <laughs> Nothing up my sleeve. <laughs> From the bookshelf. Yeah. What Every Christian Needs to Know About the Crown by James White, oh, good which book. goes over a lot of these points that Anderson has made uh, that we've kind of uh, expanded a little bit upon. Uh, he has debates as well. I encourage uh, picking up that book. And it's uh, it's very well balanced and it's not uh, an attack. It's again, taken from this kind of presuppositional aspect and looking at the internal remarks of the Quran and what we need to know as Christians about it. Yeah. So in previous chapters, uh, he explains why you should believe in God. Indeed, why in an important sense, you already believe in God, whether you recognize it or not. In this chapter, he's argued that you should also believe God has spoken to us in the Bible And before he moves the discussion uh, to other elements of the Christian worldview, he wants to come to the issue of the Bible from a slightly different perspective, but complementary perspective. Okay, and that perspective then has to do with the question, has God spoken and where has God spoken? He says it must be among the most important questions a person can ask. And so if you could ask anyone in the history of the world, uh, you know, this question, right? Uh, Where has God spoken? Has God spoken? Who do you think would have the greatest insight and expertise in the question of knowing God? Who would be regarded as the most reliable and trustworthy 
person, right, the one that most, uh, uh, you know, likely to have the answer. And he says that. William Lynn Craig. No, 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 no. no, no. He says that I suggest that when we consider all these people who lived in history, that there's only uh, one obvious answer, Jesus. Okay. Right? And. um, (laughs) Right. So, sure you're thinking. Of course you'd say that. Yeah. You're a Christian. <laughs> and yes, that's, that's the point. Yeah. But he said, I'd reply that even non-Christians can recognize that Jesus was a truly unique individual. And even those who do not accept Christianity can agree that Jesus' teachings are profound and worthy of consideration. Mm-hmm. And so how would Jesus answer the question before us? Well, we don't need to speculate here because every historical record that we have about Jesus provides a clear and consistent answer. If we know anything at all about Jesus, we know that he believed and taught that the Old Testament scriptures were the word of God. He took for granted that those scriptures carried the authority of God, right? And remarkably, Jesus puts his own teachings on the same level as the Old Testament scriptures. And so he taught that he was the fulfillment of those scriptures. Right. So he uh, concludes this chapter by saying, all this is to say, if you could ask Jesus the question, where has God spoken? His answer would be short and simple. God has spoken in the Bible, mm. the, the scriptures. And it's uh, it's uh, confirmed throughout, uh, even in the New Testament. It points to the Old Testament, and it points uh, internally to itself as, as uh, scripture, as, as God breathed out uh, um, revelation. That's certainly consistent with the Christian worldview. But it's not the whole story, because if... It's not the whole answer. For if you were standing in front of Jesus asking the question, where has God spoken? You might just, well, hear this answer from him. God is speaking to you right here and right now Mm. as Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And that's immediately leads us to another worldview defining question, which will be our factor for the next chapter. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Yeah. Seems like an important point to cover on why should we believe Christianity? (laughs) So again, uh, there's a lot more to say on these particular aspects. Again, this is uh, James Anderson walking us through um, just principles that uh, help build up and 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 come from the why previous we ones. should believe Christianity, right? That's so, the name of the book. Yeah. So it's uh, these aren't the only argumentations. These aren't the only paths you can take. But uh, this is a, uh, definitely a good, um, I think, uh, overview of of kind of the the route um, you would almost make almost an, an elevator pitch at times for, for these certain uh, perspectives. And yeah. so uh, we encourage you to uh, pick up a Bible, read one. Bible Gateway is free. There's a number of uh, free ones out there. And um, uh, for uh, Muslims that are, are maybe listening to, uh, we encourage you to listen to the people of the book, which is us. And uh, it's been revealed to, to me through uh, the Injil that uh, Jesus is the only way to salvation. He's the only way that uh, we can have uh, uh, the, the payment for our sins done away and also God's uh, holy character and uh, just judge to be fulfilled. And so um, that's uh, the, uh, if you believe the Quran to be true, then listen to me and I tell you that the Quran is incorrect. So that's a <laughs> consistent worldview for you to hold as, as a Muslim. So um, we, we love you, believer, non-believer, and uh, we uh, pray and and. Uh, desire uh, what God desires that uh, that anyone uh, who he has called will will be saved and um, one of those way uh, one of the ways th- the way that we come uh, to uh, to hear his voice is through his revealed word which is right. the Bible through the Bible 
So that's uh, that's uh, our, our little elevator pitch to you uh, to 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 seek out his voice, and um, uh, hopefully you'll join us next time uh, as we cover uh, who is Jesus. All right. Great. Thank See you. See you next time.